I would like again to express my gratitude to University of Oxford through Oxford Transitional Justice Research. It's a great pleasure to be here to speak about the, the Brazilian case. I'd like to, to speak uh, a little bit uh, regarding the reparations program that Brazilian government started uh, since 1995 uh, to the victims of the dictatorship. Uh, as you know, but I don't know if everybody knows, so I, I think it, maybe it's useful. Uh, we have a, a military dictatorship. Uh, during this period, uh, of course, we have no rule of law and uh, a, board, uh, a broad repressive power at the disposal of the security forces, a lot of violence. Uh, our dictatorship uh, during 1964 to 1985, we can share in three different stages. The first one is this four, four first years. Uh, in that, that was Chile, wasn't it? Yeah. That's Chile. That's Chile. Yeah? That's Chile, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. That's Chile, yes, outside one year then. Yeah. yeah. That's the picture in uh, my office. Maybe, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but Lamem shows. Yeah. Almost Lamem shows. The coup is Yes. Now they kill people. But we don't have a Pinochet. <laughs> Uh, in 1964, we have the coup d'etat, and we have this Supreme Revolutionary Command, is the name of Comando uh, Supremo da Revolução in Portuguese, it's very funny, but they believe that they are uh, a revolutionary uh, attitude, and they start with this very Brazilian Atos Institucionais, uh, Institutional Acts, this AI. And, and there were a lot of these, these institutional, a, a very specific law. But a, a law, of course, in a, in a regime of exception, not a law as in the, in the rule of law. Brazilian has some uh, uh, different features, the other countries in uh, particular. For example, the National Congress, uh, <laughs> stay open during the most part of the dictatorship, of course in a restricted manner, but um, at this, this, this is some numbers of that period. We don't have a very reliable uh, data regarding this, but at the first moment, I think the first year or the first six months, 10,000 civils were sacked, uh, 5,000 investigations were open, uh, involving more than 40,000 people and a lot of people lost uh, their political rights and uh, the, the, the elected... So what does 5,000 investigations involving 40,000 people mean? Does it mean 5,000 people were investigating 40,000 people? Or does it mean that 40,000 investigators looking No, at no, that? yes, uh, 50,000 claims or, or process uh, investigating 40,000 people. Because there is a, a, a file or something like that that reúne uh, um, yes more than a lot of people together, yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, some elected officials were removed from the the offices. This is the first stage. At the first stage, uh, it's not very very no, but ships were converted into prisons in Brazil. 
20 generals uh, and more than 100 officers were quickly discharged from active duty. And the trade union, the name is uh, Workers' General Command, Central Geral dos Trabalhadores, was closed. And in the first few months of military dictatorship, uh, an estimated 5,000 people were detained. But we don't have very reliable data. I always need to, to remember this. In the second stage is this 68 till 1974. Is, uh, I think, the worst, in terms of violence, the worst uh, period of our dictatorship. There is this uh, Ato Institucional Número 5, AI5, so-called coup, golpe, dentro do golpe. And this, uh, this made this, the president of, of the republic more powerful. Uh, he can, for example, the president, the, the military president, of course, temporarily close the National Congress, and then uh, he, he did it, intervene in the states and suspend individual rights, for example, habeas corpus, uh, suspended the political rights, not only it's very important Mention not only of the members of the opposition party, the MDB, Movimento Democrático Brasileiro, but also uh, the ARENA, a party of the dictatorship. At that moment, we have just two parties. Uh, in, in during this, this time, these six, almost six years, the repression reached its peak. Uh, a very strict censorship of the press, and universities uh, lost a lot of professors and students. The third stage is this. Here is the General Ernesto Geisel, and there is the General Figueiredo. The Figueiredo was the, the last uh, dictator in, in Brazil. The third stage started with General Ernesto Geisel. Uh, he started this very Brazilian slow process of liberalization, it's very slow. In 1978, uh, the political banishments started to be revoked, and so the Ministry of Foreign Relations began to make it easy for Brazilians abroad come back to Brazil or, or secure passports and, and something like that. Uh, it's very important to understand the reparations, to think a little bit uh, about the amnesty. The struggle for amnesty in Brazilian case is start uh, a few, here is Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> I am sure. <laughs> because just in Brazil a lot of people go to the street and ask for amnesty, <laughs> as we <laughs> speak earlier. Um, uh, the struggle for amnesty in Brazil start some months uh, later the, uh, after the, the coup, the coup d'etat, uh, in 64, and so uh, slowly more people ask for this. And at this moment, at the end of the 70s, 78, uh, a lot of people, a very big and important movement, ask for amnesty. Of course they ask uh, for amnesty together with other things, and, and return to democracy, and uh, liberty or freedom for political prisoners, and punishment for the tortures, but the flag, uh, the the flag, 
The word was amnesty all the time. They asked for justice, but together with am amnesty and the flag was amnesty. <coughs> so uh, we have these numbers. I don't know if uh, we can uh, uh, confirm, because I told you it's very hard to, to have this data. Maybe at the end of the, the work of True Commission, we can have more more uh, accurate numbers, but let's see. 10,000 Brazilian citizens uh, at least left the country to live in, in exile. Uh, this data the, the, in the second sentence is from the Brazil Never Again, that project, that it works as a, a true commission. It was uh, launched in 1985. It's an unofficial an, project. The church and uh, the human rights uh, activists that put this in, in, in movement, but uh, in this in this project that we have the the book with the same name Brazil Never Again in English, and you, we have a very interesting book that I mentioned before. If someone have some kind of interest in this, is uh, a miracle, an universe from Lawrence Wechsler, uh, and there he explained very well how its project. Uh, work it, but th this information, all this information came from the the, the military files. So it's an unofficial, <coughs> pardon, uh, sorry, an unofficial uh, 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 project, but the information is totally official. It's very interesting because it's from the higher military court, the, the information. <coughs> of course, uh, the military at that moment uh, didn't know that uh, someone uh, are copying uh, the, the files. Just at the end of the dictatorship, 1985, it became public. Well, we have a book and this guy imagined that the number of Brazilians who would be in direct need of amnesty at that moment, at the end of the 70s, is calculated at more than a million. Uh, this is the book is this guy Roberto Ribeiro Martins. So in in his analysis, at that moment, of for every hundred Brazilians, at least one needs amnesty. Uh, we never know it. It is 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 very precise, but we know that uh, a lot of people ask for amnesty, as I, uh, I show you in in this picture, and uh, because in Brazilians sense amnesty can, uh, at that moment, can be asked for, not just for political prisoners, but the people that are abroad, and the people that lost some political rights, and the people that was out of the universities, for example. It's a very big idea. It's a very... Uh, uh, yeah. Thank you, Francesca. Uh, we just, uh, and we need remember that the struggle for amnesty occurring in a, in a very specific context, a democratization, rule of law, recognition and defense of human rights is all together, but the flag, uh, palavra de ordem, how can I say? The key word. The key word, yes, is amnesty. It's, it's, it's different from Argentina and Chile, for example. Hi. The, uh, in Argentina and Chile, for example, the key word was uh, justice, not amnesty. Uh, this is a very specific uh, Brazilian keyword or, or flag for this kind of, of, of fight. Uh, 
uh, it's very interesting. This struggle for amnesty had the support of international groups and celebrities. For example, Simone de Beauvoir, uh, Jean-Paul Sartre, Gabriel Garcia Marques, they signed a petition asking for amnesty in Brazil. This is a very strong uh, support from these people. This is a little bit more regarding this, this claim. And so in, in June 1979, the guy, the last uh, dictator in Brazil, Figueiredo, General Figueiredo, submits a bill to the Congress. The, the, this, uh, this happens without consulting society and without exchange ideas with the pot potential beneficiaries of the law. It's a very impositive um, attitude, of course, as, a, as all dictatorships. We have in Brazil this uh, Brazilian Amnesty Committee, is Comités Brasileiros de Anistia. We have this a lot at that time, I think in each state and also abroad, in Italy, I think in France, in some, in some places we have this. And this, this CBA wants to stop torture, to shed light on the case of disappearances, and to prevent the law from the law from amnesty, the bill that is preparing, from benefiting the perpetrators of the regime's victims. This is a, a very strong indication at that moment. When the, the, the law was approved, remember that we have at this moment our, our Congress open, so the bill uh, came through the, the, the Congress and the bill uh, received some kind of legitimacy because, of course, it's a, a, a not free Congress, but is in some measure is a Congress, a political Congress. And we have two par parties, ARENA and MDB. And so this, uh, this tramite, uh, tramite legislativo, uh, yes, these legislative pressures uh, gave uh, a strong legitimacy for our amnesty. It's totally different from other countries. For example, Chile and Argentina, the, the amnesty law was a decree, where a decree from the dictator, and it, no legitimacy. Here we have, so we, you can see the thoughts of that moment. Uh, the people are very happy because they ask for, for, for amnesty, a big movement, ask also for democracy and human rights, uh, respect and blah, 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 but we just have amnesty and the people were very, very happy at that moment. So we have uh, the amnesty law, is this uh, 6683, the amnesty law, but uh, it's important to keep in mind that it, it did not redress even the basic grievances of the victims of political persecution. Uh, the law excluded a certain manifestation of opposition to the regime, for example, terrorism or acts uh, specified in the very exceptional legislation. And the law included only those individuals who had not previously been convicted by the dictatorship. People that were convicted was not uh, benefited from the amnesty law. It's very important to to retain this because it's a very uh, Brazilian uh, future. The, the amnesty law grants amnesty just for the people that were not convicted, 
most of time, an amnesty is for people who were convicted. How many would you say were convicted, as a proportion? Uh, we don't have this very reliable data, but remember in higher Supreme Court, we have this, uh, just in higher Supreme Court, military Supreme Court, SETM is, uh, we have this more than 7,000 uh, process. This is the, the last court, yes. This is the, 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 the number that we have more reliable. But we, we, we never know, I think, uh, as I, I told before, I think with the, the works of True Commission we can uh, maybe have some more, more uh, reliable numbers. But a lot of people stay in jail uh, at that moment, uh, because amnesty law is just for people that were not convicted. Uh, uh, five years ago, for example, uh, the newspaper said that still almost 20, 20 people, not 20,000, but 20 people stay in jail. So the, the, the amnesty law is just for people that were not convicted. Of course, because the law want to, 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 to assure, to assure uh, impunity for the, the, the dictatorship and, and the, the guys that work with, with the, with in, in violent uh, ways. So these guys, they were not convicted in any time. So this is the, the logic of the construction of the law. Uh, we have this, this very special transition. It's funny, uh, you can see the guy inside is the civil, our first civil president, but we, ha we don't have free elections at the end of dictatorship. You can see the eyes <laughs> of the guys <laughs> and his hands <laughs> a little bit, yes. <laughs> Yes, funny. And this guy still now is in power. He's at this moment he's in uh, uh, in Congress, still this day. But uh, we don't have free elections. We have a, a very specific way to to to. Yes, José Sarney. Yes, uh, we have Colegio Electoral at the end of dictatorship. We don't have a freedom election. Just five years later, we have uh, a freedom election. So this guy came from the party of uh, Arena, from the dictatorship, and, and our transition took several years and was negotiated from the outset. Uh, we can define our transitional, uh, such a kind of agreement between the, the elites. Uh, the military left power without direct elections, as I, as I told you, and because we don't have uh, elections, we never debate at that moment uh, how to handle, how to deal with the legacy of massive human rights violations. It's totally out of the agenda. It's, it, it makes a lot of difference when we start our settling account process. For example, because in Argentina and Chile, uh, at the end of the dictatorship, the human rights uh, violations still in agenda and the, the guys, the, the candidates must must say, oh, I will do this or I don't do this, I will pay reparations. So they need to, to, to make a position uh, regarding this. In Brazil, we, we don't have this and this, um, this issue was forget about. Um, here uh, we can start the, our uh, process of it's not, yeah, the process, it's not really a program uh, of reparations, but 
a kind of a very Brazilian uh, process of pay reparations. We have the, the amnesty law. In my opinion, the amnesty law, this law from 1979, start our settling account process. And it's very, of course, very different because we start with the amnesty, we start with oblivion, and we have uh, the second step or the second moment of our uh, settling account process is this with this law that we share in English, but sorry, uh, the PDF is not very good, but it's this only law that we have in, in English because the others are in Portuguese. If someone wants, they can send, but I don't know who can Portuguese read. Uh, so we start with this. Uh, this law, this law is, is a law from Fernando Henrique Cardoso in December 1995. Uh, the law is 9140 is uh, known as the law of the disappeared and at the first moment this law uh, recognized as dead 136 missing political dissidents at the first moment. With this law it was the first time in Brazil that the Brazilian state accepted objective responsibility for the illicit acts of its security forces. Till this day the, the Brazilian state never uh, recognize officially this this responsibility. At this moment, in 1995, uh, the Brazilian state also, uh, uh, as I told, uh, took a broad responsibility for the human rights violations committed during the, that period. Um, it's very curious because this the test of this law, if you can read, uh, you can see that uh, it it uh, it always the, our our uh, all the laws that our setting account process make some kind of reference or or report to amnesty law or the idea inside the amnesty law this is uh, pacification and national reconciliation it's all the time in our setting account process uh, it's very curious because the the setting account process in Brazil. Uh, was a right or was has been made in this sense in the sense of oblivion in all time asking for pacification and national reconciliation so uh, if you read the law you can find that the application of this law shall be guided by the principle of national reconciliation pacification expressed in, in amnesty law with this law, uh, the relatives uh, acquired the right to request the death certificates because until this moment, imagine the dictatorship was finished in 1985 and here is 10 years uh, after uh, 1995. Just at this moment, the families and the relatives acquired the right to request the death certificates of the disappear and if they want, receive some kind of compensation. The law, uh, the law created this commission or committee, the name Comissão Especial sobre Mortos e Desaparecidos Políticos, uh, and this committee is responsible, until now, is responsible uh, to e examine allegations of other deaths, other than 136, the first 136, that were politically motivated and involving uh, unnatural causes. Uh, in, in law, the law uh, put this while in policy custody 
or in similar facilities because sometimes uh, a victim doesn't uh, die uh, in, in a, a, a policy custody or, or in, in, in uh, was in policy custody but not inside the, the policy building for example so uh, the law tried to, to protect the, the right of the, the victims and the relatives uh, but the families at that moment of the victims, the relatives, they not fully endorse the new law. Uh, they they uh, they don't like. For example, the law did not compel the state to identify and and hold responsible those who are directly involved in the torture, in deaths, and disappears. The law doesn't. Uh, 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 does not uh, contempla. contemplate. Yes, the, the law does not contemplate this very old uh, claim of, of the relatives and the families of the victims, and also the law puts uh, the burden of proof on the relatives of the victims. So, if you have, for example, a husband that disappeared during the dictatorship, you must prove that this guy disappeared during the dictatorship. But the state never recognized that he disappeared. How you can find some kind of, of, of proof to prove this? It's, it's very hard. But at the end, it works. It, it, it's very curious, but it works. Uh, this commission uh, is still open, but the most of the, the job, the work, is, is, is almost finished. In 2006, uh, uh, 11 years after it was created, uh, the Commission had disbursed nearly 40 million reais uh, in our money, is around 12, 12 million pounds. We share by three. Yeah, it's more. Uh, to the families of more than 300 victims. Some families, some relatives uh, didn't want the money, but uh, the most agree. All people killed or disappeared by the, the military regime. The, the Commission uh, reviewed 475 cases and pay uh, the medium value, it pay almost $1,020. Uh, excuse me, $120,000 at that moment, at the, until the end of the 90s. Is this value is very close uh, that value International uh, Committee for Human Rights from OAS suggests that's a, a, um, um, a good value good of course because we don't have money to, to pay a life but it's a, it's it's a, in in a symbolic way it's it's a, a, a value um, acceptable acceptable yeah uh, the, the commission also start the committee started collecting uh, blood samples from the families because a lot of families are very old the, the relatives and we have uh, uh, until now we have 140 political uh, disappeared or missing and uh, the commission start to do this in case of someone will be uh, find can identify this. Uh, the reparations 
So we have this uh, first law in 1995. But it's very important when you read the, the taste of uh, the wording of the amnesty law, the 1979 law, you, you can read just in Portuguese, but I try to translate. Uh, the amnesty law in 1979 bears any possibility of reparation. If you read the Article 11 of the law, this is very clear. The veto was explicit in these terms. It's totally impossible to pay some kind of reparations. And the amnesty law still working in Brazil. But we pay reparations. We pay reparations and you will uh, see a little bit more about this. So the first law that pay reparations is 1995. The second is 2001, uh, when the victims of political persecution, not missing and dead people, uh, convinced Fernando Henrique Cardoso, the president, to send to the to National Congress a bill to compensate the losses of those who had been prevented from performing their, their working activities as a result of the political persecution. Um, it's very interesting because this bill that became a law, this law, 10,559, uh, pay reparations just for, for those who had been prevented from performing they work in activities as a result of political persecution. It's not, for example, for victims of torture. It's, it's for someone that had some kind of economic loss. And uh, an amnesty committee or commission was also installed in, in, in the Ministry of Justice. So we have these two laws and two commissions working uh, to pay reparations or to to, to check the cases and check the files, and this in this sense, this is the law that pay reparations for, for people. It's very interesting because the the other law that I mentioned in uh, um, a very few but a strong group for the relatives and and friends and and human rights activists, few people asked for this this law for for missing and disappeared people since the dictatorship, but they ask for, for, uh, for uh, reconnaissement, acknowledgement. acknowledgement, and ask for, for, for the bodies and for justice. They never ask for reparations, the family of the victims, the, the fatal victims. It's totally different for this uh, group. This group is the group that had some kind of economic losses, and they ask all the time uh, for reparations. And it's curious because uh, after the end of dictatorship, they these two groups, one is very small, this one is, is much bigger, they, they, they don't work together the most of the time. Uh, each group asks for each uh, different things. So this group uh, of this kind of, of victims uh, considered this law highly satisfactory. It's totally different, remember the other that doesn't, that didn't like the law. At this moment, so the Brazilian state could provide financial redress to victims of political persecution and this law pays compensation for the harm caused to thousands of people through the use of discretionary power in, in the economic sense. 
but this law was not necessarily related to the suffering experienced by the victim. This law have five, has five chapters, and I don't read, but it's very interesting because this law, uh, as the same that happens in, 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 during the dictatorship, for example, Paul Smith was a, a political persecutor, and then uh, he, he, he claimed to this commission, Amnesty Commission, for acknowledgement and indemnization, for example, he must send uh, a paper and, and say, I, Paul Smith, ask for amnesty. He must ask for amnesty now, in democracy. And this commission, the name is not Commission uh, for Victims or Commission Reparations Victims or something like that, it's Amnesty Commission. And if the commission uh, decided that this Paul Smith uh, uh, filed the, the requirements to, to, to receive this amnesty, we, uh, the commission, published in, in the in the Diário Oficial da União, the Gazette, the official Gazette, uh, uh, the Brazilian state recognized Paul Smith as an estado político, uh, politically amnesty. It's a very Brazilian, I don't know, amnesty uh, if it exists in, in English. So, uh, the victim must ask for amnesty. Uh, the victim, how, as oh, I think as we know, uh, the victim the, each victim has a lot of rights, but in, in the sense of this law uh, and in this commission, amnesty commission, and the problem of course is not the, the commission or the committee, but the problem is the law. The law uh, con was constructed in a way that the victim is not really victim, but someone that asks for amnesty, that means pardon and oblivion. So. Uh, this is the, the, the Amnesty Commission. Uh, the Amnesty Commission was established in 2001 and reviewed these kind of claims that I, I told for political amnesty and compensation. This photo is one day that commissioner is working. We have some data here. Uh, till January 2011, this commission, Amnesty Commission, has received more than 80,000 claims. It has already judged more than uh, almost 67,000 cases. Of this total 67 cases, 35,000 were granted and the rest were denied. Because if John Smith can't prove that he was... Because it, it, I, I, will, I will give you an example. Um, we have two very famous cases in Brazil. Two uh, persons with the same prof profession, a journalist. Uh, one journalist that uh, he was arrested and tortured, and he died uh, in the prison. And we have other cases that uh, a journalist, both are very famous at that moment. Other uh, was arrested. Uh, we never know. I don't think he was tortured. Maybe, but it's, it's not very... Uh, no, and uh, he can't work for a long time because political persecution. The, the relatives, the families of the first one that uh, died can, if they want, I don't remember if they asked, but 
they 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 have the right to ask for this compensation uh new reais 120,000 uh, reais is up the 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 other journalists the other the journalists that survive of this persecution he can ask he because he is still alive he can ask for for reparation from this amnesty commission and he must prove that he had a lot of uh, economic losses so uh, he was very important at that moment and he 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 can uh, show this and he received since then per year much more than the relatives of the other victim receive in the in the whole uh, indemnization so uh, one law is totally um, the laws were made totally separate uh, the legislator never think about the human rights violation they think in, in other way and the law is, is very um, uh, Unbalanced, yeah. So, uh, more than half of the accepted claims in these uh, political losses were granted without any form of financial reparation. So, the more than half just have this diploma of anistiado uh, politico. This just this paper. Um, uh, at that moment, two point four billion reais were paid in reparations to these victims, a lot of money, I don't know, share by three. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and the recognition of the status of political amnesty is made uh, official in the same way that it occurred during the dictatorship. Remember that I told. It means that the name of victim, each victim is published in the Federal Gazette until this day. If you, if you look at the... the the Federal Gazette, you can say every week, every month, the names of the guys. This is one of these sessions of the Amnesty Commission, when this guy was, this, this case was, was discussed. It's very curious because in, in Brazilian case, uh, reparations as a very early practice. Uh, reparations to victims of political persecution in dictatorship in Brazil started even during the regime. Uh, uh, I know one case that we imagine is the first one. It was in 68 or four, four uh, years after the coup. And it, he, uh, a guy, a doctor, he, he became blind. He lost an eye during a, a torture session and he asked for the, the reparation and he win the, the, the lawsuit. During the dictatorship, the, the regime started paying reparations much before the end of, of the dictatorship. Uh, here I am almost finished, but uh, we have some features of the Brazilian reparation effort. Uh, we saw that both laws have constituted mechanisms for dealing with part of the legacy of massive human rights violation, just part, not all, because, for example, uh, victims of the torture, uh, they have no right until this day. Uh, of course, if Poe Smith was in jail and was tortured and can prove that he had some economic losses, he can receive reparation, but not because he was tortured and in jail. 
just because he had economic losses. Uh, the creation of both commissions have helped, of course, the Brazilian victims to fulfill uh, its duty to offer reparation to the victims, but such in initiatives have been informed by the logic of the dictatorship, the logic of amnesty, the logic of oblivion and impunity. Uh, so, amnesty uh, on the terms conceived by dictatorship, forgetting the violations and accepting their perpetrators' impunity. All the time is, is, it is reinforced. You see the name in the, in the official gazette, Paul Smith is, the Brazilian state recognizes Paul Smith as am, political amnesty. We can realize that Brazilian reparations effort, uh, the Brazilian state has failed to recognize applicants as citizens with equal rights. We, can, we saw that payments to some former politically persecuted uh, individuals that are significantly larger than those allotted to the relatives of fatal victims. The law, the second law, 10,559, did not different, differentiate groups of victims, uh, just target everybody, uh, those designated as politically amnesty. And those affected by serious human rights violations, such as torture, for example, have had their rights ignored until, until now. Uh, to finish, it's, it's very important to keep in mind that uh, the reparation efforts means that the Brazilian state, uh, I think by our, our reparation efforts, the Brazilian states sign a greater importance to economic losses than the right to life, physical integrity, and individual safety. And I think it's very important, um, um, a shadow, how can I say, Francesca? Yes, it's very important finding when you think uh, that the Brazilian is a very, very violent country. Uh, with this uh, uh, reparations of effort to the victims of dictatorship, we can, in some measure, confirm some, uh, uh, some distinction that happens all the time. This, uh, these laws uh, show very clear this. Uh, the life, uh, the right to life, the physical integrity and in individual safety is not in, in, the, in the first uh, place. The ultimate capitalist place. <laughs>